the vineyard is the world in as much as it is taken care of by Christians. And each one of us is called by Christ, formed, equipped, and sent into the world to serve in his name within the context of our call or vocation into the vineyard. By the way, this is precisely the motto that we use in the St. John Society in all those campuses where we serve, here in the U.S., in Oregon, in D.C., in Argentina, Uruguay, and Italy. Students for Christ, Christians for the world. Students call to connect with the Lord so that they can be sent to the world. Called by Jesus to be his disciples, formed through participation in small groups, conferences, lectures, missions, programs, common prayer, and so on. And then sent as young professionals to offer their talents as stewards in Christ so that the world will be more like a well-taken-care vineyard. Or we can use another image that Jesus uses. We are sent as salt of the earth and light of the world as well. You know, I used to pray a lot for priestly vocations, especially when I began. And I do pray a lot for that because Jesus says you should pray for you know, workers for the vineyard. But now my vision has expanded. I also pray for vocations in general, for people that will feel this sense of being called, of having a mission to go to the vineyard and work for the Lord in so many different place, places and, and ways that we are called to serve the world in the name of, of Christ. We need, you know, lay person, lay families, lay professionals, and we need also holy priests and sisters and all of that. The parable today is very clear. Both sons were called to go to the vineyard. One took his father's mission really seriously and resisted that call. He didn't want to go. In fact, he said, I don't want to go. He was considering the implications that this call had of having to work hard in the vineyard, pondering what he had to leave behind, considering the heat of the day, maybe, and, and, and he knew that when God gives a mission, that comes also with sacrifices and maybe setbacks and difficulties, risks, and also a lot of joy. So he was wrestling. He took, it, he took his time. But it says afterwards, he changed his mind and went. He converted. He decided to follow his father's voice. The other didn't take his father's command very seriously. He he said, sure, I will go. Yes, sir. But didn't even think about it much. He didn't go. He never meant to go. Too much trouble. He was fine. So I think the message is simply, I could end my homily here, but don't have hope, I won't. But it's very simple. Better to go even after resisting a little than not to go at all. But we can go deeper. The good news of today's gospel is that there's always time to change, to, to, to turn around, to change our mind, to turn to God, even if we resist it for a while. In fact, Jesus says that the Pharisees, to the Pharisees that the tax collectors and prostitutes would precede them in the kingdom. Those are strong words, strong examples. Why he picked those two groups, tax collectors and prostitutes? For sure, not 
in as much as they remain tax collectors and prostitutes, but in the, in the sense that they heard John the Baptist preach, they realized, they changed, they turned around, and they converted. They received the mercy of God. Even if they did that later in life, with many wounds inside, and many, many sins as well, a prostitute, a tax collector, a trader, these are strong examples, uh, very clear examples, that there's always, always, always hope to change. There's always time and hope and grace to come back to God. Nevertheless, the sooner that change takes place, the better. And I want to make a point of this. The sooner you're able to change your mind and go to the vineyard, the quicker you can say yes to God, the better. The sooner you can say, Lord, use me, and actually go, do it, the better. And this is true at every level of life. The sooner you start, the better. Think of a musician, for example, someone who plays the piano or the violin. The sooner they start to learn, the better they are. One thing is you begin when you are five or six. Another thing is you, if you want to learn piano or violin when you are 30. Sure, you can learn. I'm sure you can learn. But it's very unlikely that you will reach the same potential as a musician. I learned to drive a stick shift when I was 12. That was not very legal, but I did. And have been driving in the crazy streets of Buenos Aires for many, many years. And I think I am a pretty good driver. That's the way it is. When I, when I drive, it's like, it's like I'm, I'm, the car is an extension of my body. I can drive and have a conversation, drive and listen to an e-book or drive or, and record a talk, for example. My body drives and my mind is elsewhere. And I haven't crashed so far. But I've seen people that learn to drive later in life that they're much tense, they're tenser, they, they, they need to focus, they're hesitant, and that is because they learn later in life. It's unlikely that they will enjoy driving. And you can apply this principle to anything, to studies, to sports, any field where you want to somehow achieve some virtuosism. Well, something similar happens to Christian life. The sooner, the better. Why? On the one hand, those called to discipleship when young, they avoid the wound of sin, or at least of many sins. They are preserved from the corruption of the soul that comes about through sin. There's less energy put into healing and undoing and unlearning sinful patterns. On the other hand, and this is more important, I think, they enjoy a deeper intimacy with Jesus, like a long-standing friendship. I think we all have friendships like that, friendship from our childhood, for example. I have one that comes to my mind. His name is Santiago, and I see him like every other year, for example, when I go to Argentina. But it's amazing. We sit together, and in two minutes, we're talking as if we you know, saw each other last week. We connect right away, and that's because we grew up together. So there's this long-standing friendship. And people who have followed the Lord from their youth, even from their childhood, they have this long-standing friendship, this intimacy with the Lord, with Jesus. 
plus Christian virtues are easily exercised. They are more natural to them, usually speaking. This is not for sure a rule set on stone. Humans, human beings are amazing, and the grace of God is very powerful, but it's generally the case. You know, as, as a missionary of the new evangelization, I've seen many, many, many adults come to Christ, and it's so beautiful to see, so powerful to see. But generally speaking, it's hard for them, or at least harder to have the same level of peaceful and intense Christian ethos as the ones who follow the Lord from the beginning. And we have a long list of saints that testify about this. Saints that became saints at a young age, or lived a long life but were faithful from the beginning. The first one is the Apostle John that I want to quote or cite today. Newman wrote about him. These words, the great apostle, evangelist, and prophet of the church, who came so early into our Lord's chosen company and lived so long after all his fellows. He is the virgin apostle, who on that account was so dear to his Lord, the disciple whom Jesus loved, who lay on his bosom, who received his mother from him when upon the cross, who had the vision of all the wonders which were to come to pass in the world to the end of the time. He was the youngest of the apostles. Aquinas, Thomas Aquinas, he became a monk almost as a child. And at the age of 19, he became a Dominican, a recent order in those days. He studied and taught in Paris, in Cologne, in Naples. He died at 49, leaving behind him major theological treatises that still guide the intellectual life of the church today. Short life, intense life, fruitful life from the beginning. John Henry Newman himself, he became a practicing Christian when he was 15, had a strong conversion, a strong sense of the reality of God, and remained faithful to that. He died at old age, almost 90, and he said that he never sinned against the light. That is, he was always faithful to that conversion. His prolific life gives, gives testimony to this. He was a writer, a theologian, an apologist. He was a professor and tutor at Oxford. He founded the Catholic University of Dublin in Ireland, two oratories, one in London, another in Birmingham, two Catholic schools. He was an editor, a translator, and so on. Long life, but faithful life from the beginning, fruitful life. He still shines today. St. Therese of Lisieux, she died at 24, but she wanted to be a sister when she was 14. By then, when she died at 24, she had reached the heights of the mystical life, of deep, deep union with the Lord, and had written a book that would become a milestone of Catholic spirituality. And later she would be declared a doctor of the church. 24. Saint Elizabeth of the Trinity, she died at 26 and wrote one of the most insightful things about the Trinity. She pierced the mystery of the Trinity and wrote about it. Pier Giorgio Frassati was the son of an agnostic owner of La Stampa, one of the major newspapers in Italy even today. He grew up in a very connected family and enjoyed many privileges in life. He was a student, an activist, advocating for social reforms and standing against Mussolini's fascism. 
and was involved in many, many works of mercy. He was a mountaineer and a devout Catholic. He died at 24. At his funeral, along with the elites that came to pay their respect, thousands of poor people also showed up to mourn him. Everyone was so surprised of the intensity of this young life. Gianna Beretta Mola was an Italian pediatrician and an active member of the church. She was a mother of three and was pregnant with her fourth kid when she had to choose between the life of the baby she had in her womb and her own life. She chose to save the baby. Gianna Emanuela, who still lives, is a doctor herself as well. She died at 40 and was canonized recently. So they were all very different saints. I intentionally picked, even though it's a long list, picked them because, you know, they're men and women, religious and lay people, of old and of age and, and recent, um, recent age. Very different from, from each other, but they all considered a privilege to have been called to the vineyard from the beginning, right away. They consider a privilege to serve the Lord. They felt honored and rescued from the beginning. They were happy to offer to the Lord their best of their youth, the best years and energies. At this point, I have to say that it is also true that some, some saints came to Christ after a sinful life. That is also true. And became great saints like Augustine, for example or Ignatius of Loyola. It took them longer to change their minds and go to the vineyard, but they did, finally. And when they did, they did a great job. They are, they are great saints. I, I met a man in Argentina that he was a politician and not very clean, to be honest. No? He, I don't know what he did, but in any case, he ended up in prison. So in prison, he... Converted, He had a strong experience of God, and he completely changed. So he left prison after paying his, you know, his years, doing his service, almost 70-something, when he, when he, 73 or 74, when he left prison. And I met him then. He's almost 85 now. And I think he's a living saint. He serves the poor. He, you know, he cleans the bathrooms. He goes to the hospitals, he prays a lot, he, he's, a, he's a shining example of a man full of hope and of charity and faith. He lost all he had, of course. So, even for a man like that, after a corrupt political life, at 73, God can change his heart, and he, and, and he did, and he accepted, and he said, worker of the vineyard, Makes me laugh because he says, I have to visit the old people, and he's like almost 90. So all these saints that came later to, to Christ, they're also different from each other, but they all coincide in regretting that. Augustine wrote, late have I loved you, beauty so old and so new. Late have I loved you. I wish I would have known this before. So to conclude, let's be grateful for having been called to the vineyard. Whenever that happened to you, if you are here tonight, you, you have been called to the vineyard to serve the Lord in one way or the other. If it was when you were young or even when you were little, good for you. 
and if it's when you were a little older in life, you still should be grateful. We should avoid two temptations. If you were called when you were young, you should avoid the temptation of curiosity or even envying. What if I've done this? or that Maybe I missed something in life. That is a common temptation for the ones who have been faithful from the beginning. Didn't I miss something here? The psalm says, do not be provoked by evildoers. Do not envy those who do wrong. Stay faithful to the Lord. He will give you all that your heart desires. And if you have been called later in life, you should not boast of your sinful ways or look down on another's innocence as if, they, as, as if you knew better. On the contrary, you should be humble and grateful at the depths of God's mercy with you.